Hey, I'm home, everybody. Daddy. Hey, where's Nick? Nick's on computer. Oh, okay. Oh, hey there, bud. Hey, Dad. What you doing? I finished my report. Your report on pilgrims? Yes. I was going to help you with that. Don't worry about it. I use Wikipedia. Wikipedia? All right, well, can you read part of your report to me? The pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. Let's skip ahead to the food part. The Native Americans brought all sorts of things to help the pilgrims, including turkeys, maize, and the Nidhi Chatline. So, that's how it happened. A special thanks to the Kelly Kid Players. They're good. I like that. For their role. Seasonal, too. Yeah, for their role in our Thanksgiving introduction. Uh, I like it. So special thanks to Nick, Aaron, and Sarah, my kids, who helped with that intro. Hi, this is the new teacher hotline. It's not Romper Room. (laughs) Sounded like it, though. I like it. (laughs) Just adult voices from here on out. I know you're disappointed. We're here at episode 15. My name is Mike. I'm, I work for the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence, and sitting with me here is Glenn. And my name is Glenn, and I don't work for them, but I have been a lifelong teacher, and maybe we can give out some tips tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, if you were listening to our last episode, episode 14, it dealt with the specific plight of a teacher who was having trouble with a kid in their class. We didn't know where, who it was from, right? We didn't know. No, We, we didn't know who don't. it was from or where she uh, sent it from, she, it was but from, we were responding to an email. She okay. was, her address is rock and hard place. She's right in between. <laughs> I've been there. I know where it is. <laughs> now, she formerly was um, in the frying pan, okay. but her current address is in the fire. In the fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she sent, uh, she sent along a second email, follow-up. Okay. Uh, you know, she heard us respond, and she's, she's actually following what, up with What them. did she like our response? Uh, well, I'll let you listen for yourself. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, yeah. She writes. Thanks for addressing my question. I listened to the episode, and you guys really seem to have a good understanding of the situation. Things have improved ever so slightly since I sent the original SOS. Unfortunately, that's because I upped the reward. But hopefully once things get better, he can be weaned off of it. So I'm guessing we're going to break in here for a second. So she's upped the reward. All right, let's back up. Now, as I recall, this was a teacher who was having a problem with a particular student. Right. As a discipline problem. Exactly. And we worked around that for a while and, and suggested a discipline ladder, uh, a progressive discipline. Mm-hmm. Well, she seems like she already had a ladder in place. Okay. And we said that sometimes when you've contacted parents and you've worked your way up the discipline ladder and even the principal doesn't seem to be an effective tool anymore, mm-hmm. then you just got to sort of pass the baton off to some sort of student service. Okay. Situation. Yep, there are some times when you have to do that. All right. So one of the things we took as a as a postulate, if I could use my math term for a second, mm-hmm. okay. As, as an uh, assumed none thing. of us know what it means, but let's keep going. <laughs> it's something that you assume to be true. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, actually, let me get back to the to the note. I'll, All right. I'll continue here. It says about talking to the parents, as you suggested. Perhaps you could do a segment one time on how to go about that. I dread calling parents. I meant to do it first thing this year. Well, everyone had a clean slate, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Wasn't sure what to say and how. Perhaps it's an irrational fear. Anyway, I've been avoiding these parents in particular since the other teachers told me it's not worth it. Apparently, they're not very cooperative. This is a kid who comes in with a 20-ounce bottle of Coke most days. I have a water-only rule in my classroom. I sent a note home about it, but even without that, 
What kind of parent gives their already hyperactive kid such junk to drink? According to the principal, there's no structure in the home, which is part of the reason why the kid is so wild. The kid refers to his parents in such context as, when I tell my father what you're making me do, it sounds like the, the parents are, are firmly in the kid's corner mm-hmm. at this point. And that's typical. So she, she reiterates, I'm a young female first-year teacher. How can I stand my ground against these parents? Furthermore, what's actually supposed to happen in these parent-teacher conferences that should make things better? Thanks again. Okay, wow. So we have a follow-up that's... letter. Yeah, that's a rich question, too. Well, uh, there was one section. There's a couple sections in the letter itself that uh, we need to talk about. Okay. And one is the postulate, did you say? Postulate. The, the, <laughs> one is the assumption or postulate that I like the, assumption better. Okay. one sounds too pretentious. The, I apologize. Yeah. The assumption that the uh, parents are in the child's corner. I would say that happens about... 100% of the time. About approximately 100% yeah. of the time? <laughs> I would say it's near 100% of the time. Okay. And usually it's because the parent, first of all, loves their child. And secondly, the child has a greater opportunity to talk to the parent and give their side of the story before the teacher does. Right. We talked about this briefly in a previous episode. I can't remember the number. I'll have to go back and check. But it was something about parent conferences, and it was... It was about the race to get to the parents of something bad right. happens. I know we talked about right. that. Well, affirming parents talk with their children every day and have a pretty good idea of what's going on in school. Right. Sometimes the parents aren't as affirming, and they only get what the child tells them, which can be either good or bad. And in this case, it sounds like it's bad because the, the child is telling the parent what that mean old teacher is making him do. Yeah, that is a very key so phrase, isn't that's, it? making me do. Right. That's the way it's being presented to the parent. That's what you're up against. So this is a situation where calling parents isn't necessarily going to go smoothly, and they're teaming up against you. Well, the the conversation may go smoothly. It may not start smoothly. Okay, that's I mean, you're working against a, a deficit. So you're already in the hole as the teacher. And she mentioned that she wanted to do this in the beginning of the year when there was a clean slate. Maybe try to establish that partnership, that teamwork mm-hmm. thing early. And I guess right. she's probably regretting that she didn't do that now. But you really can't regret not doing it until you understand how well things go right. when you do it first. Sure, it's a good idea to contact the parents early and often and with positive news. You know, in an ideal world, that's the way it works. Uh, however, remembering what it's like to be a first-year teacher, sometimes there isn't enough time to call home yourself, let alone call somebody else's home. Right. So uh, we have to go on to plan B with that. Okay, so let's let's create the situation where a new teacher wants to call a parent because their child is either not performing well in class or is a disruption in class. So we're assuming that there have been no pre-calls, there's been no setup. So right. This exact this is situation. It. This is the first contact. Okay. So how do you do it? You tell me. Okay. Well, <laughs> first of all, we can assume that the parent does not want to hear something bad about their child. Right off the bat. We have to set that up front right away. Uh, In this particular case, uh, we already know that the child has predisposed the parents to this teacher being a mean teacher or a bad teacher because they're making me do all this stuff. So we're not even starting at at a level playing field. The goal is to turn this around and encourage the parent to partner with the teacher so that they can work together to help the child. Okay, so you're actually turning it completely around, getting all that negative momentum. and Right, and enlist them, and as well as the child, I mean, this this should include everybody, into redefining the goal. And the goal will be something like, we want your child to do better in school, and here are some things we can do. 
Okay, let me put myself into this situation. Okay. I'm going to pretend as if I'm making this call, and I want mm-hmm. you to rank me on how this goes. All right. I call the parents. Okay. And I say, hi, this is... Let me back you up. What okay. time do you call the parents? Or what day? And thought about For that. For instance, do you call on Saturday, Sunday? Do you call during the week, during the day, at work, after work, at home, at dinner time? Mm. 11 p.m. during Monday Night Football? I mean, when do you call? We don't call during Monday Night Football. Oh, no. That <laughs> puts you down. <laughs> well, I probably wouldn't do it on the weekend. When I was teaching, I didn't want negative work things to interfere with my weekend. Okay. I just thought that during the week, if I was going to have problems, I just wanted to settle them all by the weekend so I wouldn't stress out about them on Saturday and Sunday and just kind of fret all day. Okay. That was kind of my theme was take care of it as soon as possible. Because right. otherwise, it's just too upsetting. So I would probably call during my planning period, try to reach somebody at work. And that's probably not the best time, is my guess. Well, let me stop you there. You've given correctly what it feels like as the teacher right. to make the phone call. Mm-hmm. You want to do it at a convenient time, near the incident, during your planning period, because that's good for you. And you want to get it all off your chest. Right. And, you right. want to clean, clear the table and move forward. Now, what about the person receiving the phone call? I imagine they don't want to get this sort of call in the middle of work during the day. Uh, a lot of them do not. Here's why. Because, first of all, they're working, and a lot of times they have a time-sensitive job, too, where they're not, first of all, they're not allowed to take phone calls, but if right. they are, it needs to be an emergency, and it may be an emergency to the teacher, but it probably is not an emergency to the parent's employer. Right. The health so, and safety of the kid is in a concern. Exactly. There is a sensitivity about when to call. So you're saying probably after work. Well, it becomes a, a real troublesome issue for the teacher to make calls after work. But sometimes, especially if it's going to be a you know a sensitive call, you may want to make it at the convenience of the parent. Now, how do you do that? Because you don't want to call from home and have them have your home number on caller ID, do you? I wouldn't. No, no definitely <laughs> not. Exactly. But there, there may be other occasions when you can call from the school. For instance, uh, you know, if you have the faculty meeting after school or you're coming back for a special event such as a, you know, grandparent night or an athletic event or the chess club meeting after school. And you can, you know, you're already there. It's a reasonable time. Okay. And that might work. The other thing I would caution, especially new teachers about, is being too quick to make the call so that you haven't released the anger from right. the situation. And the best advice I could give on that is the old thing about count to 10. Mm-hmm. You may have to count to you know, 10,000 you know, to release some of the tension, but always put yourself in the position of the parent receiving the phone call. Right. So go ahead. You, you've made the call. Well, another thing I was going to say is sometimes I know if I don't want to have to make that call from home, and I never do, mm-hmm. or my cell phone or nothing, nothing yeah, like wouldn't. that. Instead, I would, I would say I would call the parents when it was convenient to me, and i say, I realize this is probably not the most convenient time for you. I thought we should sit down and chat. Why don't you call me back at the school at your convenience? Mm-hmm. This is the four or five different times during the day when I'm available. Right. I'd be happy to talk to you then. Or you could even send a note home or send an email if you have this parent's email address. That mm-hmm. might be the best way nowadays. I agree. I like Just that. Just email them and say, these are the times I'm available. I'd love to talk to you in the next couple of days. I like that. So that way they call you. Mm-hmm. And it's always that no matter if it's good or bad news, when you're calling a parent, there's a surprise element. Right. And oh, yeah. Or this, a shock element. Right. That's better said. <laughs> and this way you avoid that because they're calling you. Right. And maybe they feel a little bit less attacked. Mm-hmm. And you never know what kind of mood the parent is in or what's going on around the house. You might be interrupting their dinner. You might be interrupting some sort of event around the house that they don't want to take time to talk to you. Right. 
Well, let me go into the call itself. Okay, so I would okay. call, and typically when I had a situation like this, I, I figured it's best to be honest than to try to play mm-hmm. up about how good I'm being and how terrible the kid is right. being. Yep. Because it, it does take two people to cause a situation like this, even right. if it doesn't feel like it. There's things maybe you are or aren't doing that are encouraging or discouraging good and bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I would probably start with something like, hi, this is Mr. Kelly. Um, I'm your son's uh, math teacher. I'm going to be honest with you. Things aren't working out so well right now in class. There's a lot of friction between us. You know, I've tried what I thought was a good idea, and clearly it hasn't worked terribly well. And it's in my interest to be able to work with your son so that we can get through this year and make sure he can pass the tests. And, mm-hmm. and I guess what I'm looking for is some insight. What can I do to better communicate with your child? Because I've tried what I know, and it doesn't seem to be working very well. And... There is tension, and I haven't liked it any more than your son has. So in this case, you know your son better than anyone, and I was wondering if you could help me get through. Right. And also, I really want to make this a, a team effort. It's it's not about me being right and him being wrong, but it is about him behaving better. Mm-hmm. And I think you know everybody's going to benefit from that. So. Sure, sure. Okay, I would consider that a very direct approach, which can work. Okay. Depending on the situation. First of all, it's not bad. Not bad. That was an okay? Yeah, yeah, it's in the okay range. Okay, good. good, good. Uh, but there are ways that a teacher can soften the opening that lays a foundation for the parents to receive bad news. One of them. Maybe with a compliment? Yeah. Well, I really like you. Yeah, I really like really the way you answered the phone. But <laughs> That sounds like a great phone. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than jumping right into it, sometimes the, a teacher will say, you know, I'm your son's uh, math teacher and want to... I'm your son's tormentor, the one you <laughs> hate so much. <laughs> I'm the one who gives your son all that homework. <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, something to the effect of, you know, I, I'd like to take a moment and discuss, uh, you know, your child's progress. Is this a good time? Right. And that gives the parent a chance to react to the situation. Again, I'm completely numb to whether or not it's a good time for the parents. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's my thing. Very insensitive. And and sometimes, uh, you know, we just don't think of it. Right. I'm usually too stressed in that situation to think mm-hmm. about anything but getting exactly. it over Exactly. And most people are that way. But if, if the parent's not ready to receive the message, you could be creating more damage and a worse situation. That does sound like me. Well, no, not you personally, but I mean, that's no, typical. I've had principals tell me Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're creating more damage than good. Yeah. Not all the time, but I've had my moments. <laughs> it, the, the parent needs to be ready to receive the message. Obviously, if it's a good message, they're always ready. But if it's not, then, yeah, a little bit of groundwork needs to be laid ahead of time. So you're saying we have to till the soil before we can plant the seed. Oh, I like that. That's very good. Yes. It's very agricultural. And then, mm-hmm, I like it. Letting the, the parent talk a little bit. Is this a good time? Uh, allows the parent to respond. And they might say, uh, well, you know, this isn't a good time. We've got company. And that's when you could follow up with what you said. You know, can I, can I suggest that you call me at school at, you know, whatever your planning period time is or after school? So you give them the opportunity to set a time and a date. Now, would you agree or disagree with this statement? I generally felt like the first five minutes of every parent conference were completely useless as far as solving the problem. I usually felt like it was either the parent getting frustrated and venting or me just trying to get to the point that there was just sort of this awkward dance where nobody knew what the other person was trying to say. And it generally took about five or ten minutes until we figured out what we were actually trying mm-hmm. to get at. That would not be unusual. Especially it, when you're as insensitive as I am. Oh, well, it's, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's normal. Parents, right? I think okay. it's very normal. And that's a situation I think this new teacher is going to be in because, again, the parent has already been predisposed by their child. So the first thing that the teacher is going to have to do is listen to what the parent already has heard. You don't want to act 
irrationally and emotionally to make it sound like everything that child has said is exactly right. And you are a crazy person. And right. the kid was right all along. Well, and you don't always want to make the child appear to be wrong. Right. right. This is what the child has told you. That's where you've got to start. Some of it might be true. More than likely, it's half true, some truth, or grain a kernel of truth in it. I mean, you know, if you're going to tell a good lie, you put a little bit of truth in it so it sounds reasonable, right? Right. And, you, and those parents like to fire that opening salvo as soon as you call and say, yes. here's everything you've done wrong. And my son said you did this and you did that. The best thing that a teacher can do is listen. And it probably isn't a bad idea to have a notepad handy so that you can write this stuff down and address it one at a time. Mm-hmm. For instance, yes, I did give your child this amount of homework, and no, they weren't given time to work on it in class. It was homework, but we did prepare them accordingly. That's the kind of response that you know a teacher might want to have ready. Right. Anything that's an obvious misrepresentation, the teacher needs to address it. I wouldn't get in a situation where it's he said and she said and this is the way it really was and all that. I, w I wouldn't do that. Work with what you got, but concentrate more on what you want tomorrow to look like right, than all the, the bad past. things that happened yesterday. That is a good idea. It's just sort of saying a lot of stuff has happened, and it's not gone well, and it's not going to do us a lot of good to pick apart everything. So yeah. from this point forward, let's set up direct communication so that there isn't a misunderstanding. Exactly. Exactly. Now, the parent may, may actually have good information. In fact, they usually do. And if the teacher listens carefully, the parent may actually give the teacher insights into what's going on. In other words, my child is disruptive in your class because he said you pick on him all the time. Or my child is disruptive in, in class because you never pay attention to him. So sometimes the parent will give you insights that you can then roll into your response. If your child feels that I've neglected them, you know, one of the solutions might be that we interact more. Mm -hmm. So what the teacher is really looking to do is clarify the situation, define the problem, if there is one, and then generate some possible solutions. And the thing that I also realized is as much as I dreaded making that call, parents also dreaded getting that call. Oh, yes. So one thing you can do to be extra vigilant in this situation is say, I'd like to set up a call every week or every two weeks, mm -hmm. and let's just keep evaluating the situation. And then eventually the parents are going to say, well, this is a lot of work. It's more work to be against this teacher because I'm having to constantly talk to them and communicate with them than it is to just tell this kid That's to just be good and stop making all the problems because I'm tired of all these phone calls I have to make yeah. with the teacher. They're so helpful, and it's just really annoying because I can't blame them anymore because now they're, they're talking to me all the time. It's really easy to demonize somebody that you don't talk to Absolutely. or that you don't communicate with. But if you're always there saying, hey, this is working great. Hey, what's going on with you? What's mm -hmm. happening at home? Things seem to be working better. Eventually, they're just going to say, everything's great. That's just fine. That's excellent, and I, I like that a lot. It is part of a solution to have a long-term plan. Mm -hmm. In other words, one phone call probably, well, it depends on the situation, but one phone call may not solve the problem. Right. It may address the problem, but it may not solve it, and you're exactly right. Uh, a long-term plan where we check in periodically, maybe a week, two weeks, and you know, see how things are going. Uh, it could be less than that. It could be more than that, but at least the parent knows that the teacher cares, right. that this isn't ganging up on a child, not at all. I'm not interested in punishing your child or in you punishing your child. What I'm really interested in 
is that the three of us work together, the parents, the teacher, and the student, to create a new atmosphere or a new learning environment or a new attitude or a new ethic or, you know, whatever the situation is, so that the child can achieve. You you think of them in terms of the best kids in your class. You really want them to achieve. You really want them to be successful. You don't want anything differently for the students who are the worst performing or the biggest behavior problems. They're still the same kids. Right. You want the same thing from them. Mm -hmm. And erasing that delineation that's imagined by parents that you like some students and you don't like other students and you're out to get some or you want others to succeed. And they see that really maybe the problem isn't you as a teacher. That's when you start to really make progress. Maybe the problem is not with the teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm Because they're talking to the teacher all the time. They seem like a normal person. They're trying their best. Wow. Maybe it's not them the problem well maybe it's not them maybe it's the student maybe it's not the student the reality is sometimes it's both right and uh, both sides you know should feel flexible enough to meet in the middle there are children that have special needs and unfortunately sometimes the special needs don't surface until there is a problem and one of the best things that we can tell all teachers is to create a situation where the parents are partners rather than being reluctant to call don't be. Be proactive mm-hmm. and, and call because you want them as your friend. You want them as your ally. And they typically want to be your ally. Uh, the worst thing they want is to get in an argument with a teacher because, you know, it's just not a good thing to do. Right. And when you're extremely busy, I don't think all schools expect you to call all parents before the school year and then call them all at the end of every marking period. Right. I mean, that's not really a realistic thing as a first year Exactly. Teacher. Exactly. But there are some parents that need a phone call. And deserve a phone call. Assume you're the parent. Would you want to know? That's a good rule. And yeah, you know what? I am a parent. And if my child made a mistake in school, yes, I wanted to know because I could correct it at home or I could certainly reinforce what the teacher had said during the day. Absolutely. Parents tend to assume that teachers are wrong, but it happens the other way too. Teachers Mm -hmm. tend to assume that parents are wrong 100% of the time. Or the student is wrong. So you're doing, exactly. So you're doing pretty much the exact same thing that you're afraid that the parents will do to you. Mm-hmm. If you're ever wondering, how are these parents going to react to me, think about how you're going to react to those parents. Right. You're both ready to put the blame somewhere when the point really is not to put blame, but to move forward. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great thing you said. And there's one other thing that we should say. Sometimes the parents aren't ready to hear whatever it is you've got to say, no matter what kind of foundation you lay. Right. If they become abusive or profane on the phone, then the best thing to do is invite them to come in for a conference or to call you at a time that's more convenient for them and then politely say goodbye so they hear it and hang up the phone. You don't have to listen to abuse over the line. Uh, this conversation is not being productive. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to meet with you. We can set a, a time that's good for you. Please call the school tomorrow and then say goodbye and hang up the phone politely. The next thing you do is tell your principal, you might get an irate phone call from this person, and I'd like to meet with them, but I need an administrator in the room at the time. All right, so before we wrap up, we're going to end with a teacher tip, sort of summarized to provide closure. Okay. Parents are allies, not enemies. Correct. Now, that may be strongly worded, but it will help you remember. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if you don't think a parent is an enemy, you want to emphasize the fact that you're on the same side. Right. Let's wrap it up there. We'll see you in two weeks for episode 16 of the New Teacher Hotline. I'll see you in the faculty lounge. Missed an episode or two? www.newteacherhotline.com Past episodes, message boards, and uh, other stuff. Go there now. You know you want to. All the cool kids are doing it.
The New Teacher Hotline is presented every two weeks by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. Look us up online at www.abcte.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. In fact, ABCTE makes no claim that downloading this podcast will even be worth your time. But, you know, we, we hope it is. Our theme song is courtesy of Van Davis at www.vandavis.com. Thanks for listening. How are the hosts of the New Teacher Hotline, Mike Kelly and Glenn Moulton, like Thanksgiving? No class. In fact, they wrote that joke, thinking you'd remember it from the cartoon Fat Albert from 55 million years ago.